1: Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber. Live like a gigianear. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit
2: att.com/hypergig for details. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next-day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. The
3: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates – Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right
1: now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life.
5: Welcome back to the show.
4: Yeah. Hope everyone's great after the holiday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We actually spent the holiday apart. We so did. So for once, we have not been together every single day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's
5: true. Yeah, we went and saw our separate families for various reasons, but both had a really nice time. hmm um, Yeah. Apologies to you all for not having our Wednesday episode out this week, because- that Sorry. that was part of it, we, you know. You lay these plans down, like, oh, we'll we'll just hop on Zoom,
6: no big deal, and lay down
5: an episode together. And then you know yeah. how holidays are. No. Yeah, sure. Let me coordinate a two-hour block of time
4: mm-hmm. between
5: our two families when it's
4: quiet. When it's quiet, sure. <laughs> yeah.
5: Uh, but we're back. We're here with a very cool episode today. Uh, a very wild story. A mm-hmm. fairly recent story.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. we don't
5: have to go too back from far in time for this one. Just, just the the salad years of the early two thousands.
4: <laughs> right. The salad years. The salad years. Yeah.
5: You know, like yeah. the salad days. But right.
4: The salad days, but salad years. years yeah. I get Was it. Was a
5: simpler time.
4: Well, and it was, you know, if you look at the early 2000s, we were definitely making some youthful mistakes. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's true. That's true. And some youthful salads. Mm. Um.
4: <laughs> yeah, but this episode, I'm very excited about it. Um, this is the, this is a good one to feel kind of like a badass, you know, let everybody feel good about themselves, <laughs> I hope. Because this story is about Susan Kunhausen. Now, she felt like she had a new lease on life after she decided to divorce her husband, Mike. But her life was nearly taken when a man hired by her ex-husband waited in her bedroom with a claw hammer to kill her. So let's hear the ridiculous true story of Susan Kuhnhausen turning the tables on the hitman sent to kill her.
6: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in our show, Ridiculous Romance.
5: A production of iHeartRadio.
4: So Susan, our hero, had something of a chaotic childhood. Her father was an Air Force cook, and her mother was a homemaker. Um, And they separated when she was only like eight years old. Oh, yeah. After that, they moved around. They went to like Colorado, Arizona, California, not Nevada. They were just constantly shuffling between schools and homes and parents. You know, it seems like both her parents were kind of trying to find new love and stuff. Tough
5: for everyone, yeah.
4: Right. So a lot of just... Again, a little chaotic around the house. right? She said, quote, my parents loved me, but they couldn't teach me how to have a successful marriage any more than they could teach me how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Susan was like, well, let's backburn her that whole situation. And uh-huh. she dedicated herself to her career. She became a licensed nurse and she moved to Portland, Oregon in the early 1980s. All right. And Susan's cool. She's like outgoing. She's outdoorsy. She loves to laugh. She would go to shows at Harvey's Comedy Club and sit in the front row, which is very brave.
5: Oh, sure, yeah.
4: Especially in the '80s, because I was such roast comedy era. Like, oh
5: yeah, they're coming down and do some crowd work.
4: If you're if you're in the front, like you're getting roasted yeah. by this com- this comedian. So I I think she's brave to do that. Um so anyway, she was just a really bubbly and adventurous kind of lady.
5: So it was clear that Susan was gonna be a fun and loving partner for someone, right? Anybody right. would love to be with Susan. She
4: seems great. She's a
5: good time, mm-hmm. she's fun, she's outgoing.
4: Yeah. And she's
5: looking for that stability, right? Mm-hmm. She's she she saw what her parents had and she's like, you know what? I if I find this. someone, I'm gonna find someone, right? For love. We're gonna settle down, this is gonna be it. But who who would this mystery man be? Mm -hmm. Her mother and one of Susan's friends decided that it was time to take the wheel because Mm -hmm. she hadn't found anyone yet. And in 1988, they placed a personal ad for Susan in the Willamette Week, which is a local newspaper around there. It read, quote, someone different, single white female, 33, overweight, but not over life, seeks single male who wants more out of a relationship than just slender active healthcare professional enjoys exploring the Northwest interested in conversation good times with someone who is intelligent thoughtful and full of humor must be emotionally fiscally mature if you are seeking a bright funny lady who's adventurous enough to advertise then please reply
4: and that kind of makes me laugh because she wasn't adventurous enough to advertise, like her <laughs> mom did it. <laughs> Surely
5: she approved it.
4: I, I, right? She must have. Yeah. Have done. Pretty right?
5: rude to sneak in a, a, a singles ad for someone who's not asking for it.
4: Right. She'd be like, wait, what if she like, open the paper? Like, what? This sounds like <laughs> me. <laughs>
5: So she's, you know, but they're laying it out. She's, hey, mm-hmm. somebody's fun, mature, you know, right. having shit together, yeah. but be looking for a good time.
4: And this is a good ad, I feel like. Oh, she yeah. sounds like a great, I would totally answer this I'm ad. ready to call. Uh-huh. And she get, she did get quite a few responses. So, yeah, good job, mom and friend, for writing <laughs> a good ad. Um, but the one response that caught her eye said, quote, Hi, Different. My name is Mike. I'm a 39-year-old divorced white male. I enjoy most things from nature, from wandering in the ape caves at Mount St. Helens to walking on the beach at sunset. Okay, right. this guy sounds hey, pretty good.
5: I'm in. This sounds like a match made in heaven. Right? Right.
4: So she decides, you know, she's smart. Susan's not an idiot here. She decides to talk to him on the phone before okay. meeting in person. Yeah, smart. Absolutely. Always yeah. do yes. that. And when they spoke for the first time on January 30th, 1988, she marked the day in her diary with a smiley face. Ooh. So things are looking good. Okay.
5: So they talked every day for three weeks before they met in person. And she estimates that they spent over 100 hours on the phone because that's what you did in the late 80s. I mean, you know, like yeah. there was no texting and you didn't ghost anybody.
4: Mm-mm, you that's... had to really put in the work. Right.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Again, salad days. <laughs> you get together, you share a salad. I'm not entirely sure what salad I don't days think mean. That's
4: how it goes, um, but
6: Maybe. <laughs>
5: but they talked a lot they were spending a lot of time talking together and susan was starting to catch feelings so she learned that he was adopted as a baby and he had seen combat in vietnam and he was married for 12 years before his divorce and he had two children
4: well, that's not 12 years i'd be like okay you know how to commit yeah, i mean something there. Did, didn't work out but right. like at least you were together for a long time this isn't
5: like an in and out like yeah, i get married and divorced all the time yeah, i don't it take it seriously seem like
4: a flake. Right,
6: yeah right yeah
5: so she said in an interview later, quote, he had a nice voice. I was impressed he wanted to talk about the deeper things. And then when they finally did meet in February, they walked through Crystal Springs Rhododendron Garden and they fed ducks and squirrels. Ah, date of you, a lifetime. I Wait, know, sign I love me it. And Susan said, quote, Mike was very soft spoken. He was polite, laughed easily. I felt like I got a good deal on a used car.
4: <laughs> I, I love, love that. Just Susan's
5: <laughs> comparisons. She's got a way with words that's real special.
4: Yes, I like Susan. Yeah. She makes me laugh. Yeah, But I, it kind of makes sense because you're like, this guy, you know, he's not a spring chicken up uh-huh. in here. He's uh-huh. been around. He's got a couple kids. Yeah. He's already been through some stuff. But he seems like such a good, all together, good person. Good package, you know, and so yeah, a good a good used car. Look,
5: I recommend a used car. Right, honestly, we have they, a great used car. Wow, oh, man, we got a killer used car. Mm-hmm. 2012 with thirty thousand miles on it. Hello,
4: that's a deal.
5: Yeah, um, but you know they they're making too many cars.
4: Yeah, so right. Get
5: a used one. They just and throw some, them away. Some
4: people literally are like every year they get a new car.
5: I heard Andy Richter oh. talking about on Twitter about how it's better to lease a car because you can just. Every every couple years you get a new car, and I'm like, every couple years you don't need a new car, dude. So true. So wasteful. That's my car PSA for the week. (laughs)
4: Yeah. So yeah, things are going well. They went on hikes. They would go to shows together. Mike seemed to be an easygoing guy, shy and quiet, but he knew how to commit. And Susan wanted a life partner, and she thought she had found him. There he is. So in less than a year, on December 10th, they drove to Reno to get married. After all, Mike loved the slots. All right. And Susan thought there's no bigger gamble than getting married. <laughs> wow. Which she found out to be very true <laughs> in this particular case.
5: Oh, poor Susan. I'll I tell you, I, there, are, there have got to be, speculation station, thousands, mm-hmm. maybe more, tens of thousands of happy... Wonderful marriages yep. that started in a gambling town. thought, yeah. uh, you know, spread of the moment. Let's do it. Let's go to Vegas. Let's go to Reno. Let's get married. I mean, yeah, we've we've even know some people who up to Vegas. Mm-hmm.
4: They're going strong. They're going
5: strong. They're amazing people. But the stories that mm-hmm. include <laughs> the, the crazy stories. <laughs> always seem to also have that element to them. It's
4: so true. And then they even went to Reno instead of Vegas, which I was like, I wonder why? Is it just so much cheaper or something?
5: I don't know. You know, I've never been to Reno, so I don't know.
4: I went, well, the draw but I was a kid. One and the other. Yeah, the yeah. most the most Reno I think is Sister Act, because <laughs> <laughs> she was in Reno. <laughs> yeah,
5: I think a Reno nine one one, which okay, doesn't shed okay. too kind of a light on the town. <laughs>
4: Not really. Imagine if uh, Thomas Lennon showed up at her wedding in oh, <laughs> his <only>. little boots. <laughs> but anyway, they they went to Reno. They eloped. It was great. You know, they loved that. Uh, and I think if you do, if you're the type to go to a wedding chapel or whatever, you're like, hell yeah,
5: Oh, and a, did that. And don't get me wrong. I want to go to a wedding in Vegas Yeah,
4: Arena. that would be so fun. I
5: hope I'm there and someone calls me and is like, we just showed up. We're getting married because I will show up.
4: Honestly, we should do that. Next time we go to Vegas, we'll just go to the chapel and offer to be witnesses for yeah, the next person. Let's do it. I'm into it.
5: If any, if any of you guys are planning on getting married in Vegas or yes. Reno...
4: And you want our names on your marriage (laughs) certificate. We'll watch. (laughs) We'll be there. (laughs) So at first, everything was totally great with Susan and Mike. Uh Uh-huh. But it wasn't too long before things started kind of sour. The hikes, the shows, the outings stopped. Yeah. Mike just kind of started to reveal a totally different side of his personality at this point. Um, Susan says he, quote, became moody and temperamental. He started to believe everybody was out to get him. They stopped going out pretty much altogether. Mike began to get more and more antisocial. And he told her, you know, my social anxiety stems from my service in Vietnam. I have trauma from that. Totally understandable. Yeah. So Susan was like, well, why don't we pay for you to get a therapist? You can get some counseling, see if you can deal with that. And she says that he did go But it just never seemed to stick. And I guess he wouldn't stay in counseling for very long. That's the tough part. It is tough because I I think once you start to feel better, you're like, cool, I'm good. Yeah. I don't need this. And then when you start to feel worse again, you go, well, that didn't work. Right. So you just kind of like convince yourself you don't need it. Right. So, yeah, she said, quote, he'd be better for a while and then he'd go back to being miserable.
5: Right. He also kind of started to get more controlling and even angrier. Mm
4: -hmm. He would
5: hound her for going out without him. And he would watch every purchase that she made and complain about little things that she bought. She earned more income than he did. I mean, she was a nurse in the emergency room, right? And Mm -hmm. he was a janitorial supervisor for a pornographic video store. So if we're looking at salaries here, you know, (laughs) she was was the breadwinner. What
4: a job, too, to be the janitor at a porn video store. I mean... Someone's got to do it.
5: Look, you know, I, I'm always like, well, yeah, that's that's wonderful about mm-hmm. everything. And I'm like, I I, I want to say, I bet there's people out there who are janitors at porn stores and they love it and they're <laughs> happy and they go home every night. But I also kind of think that like, a janitor at a porn store would call me up and be like, fuck you, no. I hate this job. It's a it terrible, sucks. disgusting <laughs>
4: job. <laughs> I would rather clean a school of children.
5: <laughs> you know, I don't know.
4: I don't know. If you're a janitor at a porn store, let us know how Please. it is, I guess. <laughs> Romance
5: at iHeartMedia.com. What kind Shoot of an email.
4: industrial strength cleaners do you need?
5: <laughs> so, anyway, all of this should be fine, but he felt very insecure about money. Mm hmm. But he also grew more lazy and he got really despondent. He would come home and just sit around. He would just guzzle Diet Cokes and chain smoke. Mm. And he stopped showing her any affection. She would go to kiss him, and he'd burp in her face, which
4: is yeah. probably
5: the rudest thing anyone's done on this show yet.
4: I mean, <laughs> I like, know but maybe he's acid in the face, burp in the face. I don't
5: know. The burp is know. so. You know, yeah. I hired some killers. They got over that.
4: <laughs> she sure she, did get over that. Yeah, they
5: got married. Yeah. That's uh, by the way. That is uh, Linda and Burt Pugash. Uh, so check out that episode if you haven't heard it. Because he hired someone to throw acid in her face, and then uh, when he got out of jail for it, they got married.
4: Oh. Uh, Fun story. But
5: he wasn't burping in her face when she went (laughs) to kiss him. My God.
4: I mean, it does seem so, like, okay. I would just feel like shit if you did that to me.
5: Hey, honey, you seem down. Uh, Let me come give you a kiss because I'm your wife and I love you. (sighs) Wow. Right. You know?
4: Here's a Diet Coke cigarette burp.
5: Ugh. The the second worst kind of burp.
4: (laughs) (laughs) What's the first worst?
5: Oh, Uh, Probably like uh, calamari and pink lemonade.
4: Ooh, okay.
5: (laughs) First of all, I'd be like, why are you having those together Uh in the first place?
4: We already got problems.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So not only all of this like reprehensible behavior and just like total shift in attitude and mood all the time, but he even had this catchphrase that Susan really grew to hate. She couldn't stand it when he said this and he said it all the time. Quote, life is a shit sandwich and every day you take another bite until you die ugh and like that's a that'd be a hilarious catchphrase if you were like being goofy mhm
6: mhm
5: but to hear it to be saying it every day in earnest like that's really tough to be around yeah that's a really miserable kind of life attitude that it's like again hey uh you really sound like you need help
4: yeah cause you he's... don't
5: have to feel like this
4: yeah he's definitely depressed yeah he Probably should have stayed in some counseling yeah. or, or something. It's not easy. He's really, clearly not happy, right, uh, with his life, and yeah, and then this kind of low grade. I mean, you know, he's not like a monster, but this right. is like low grade everyday misery that he's kind of permeating through the house, right. And that don't really jibe with the outgoing, fun-loving Susan that we have been talking about. Hello. What
5: is it she said? She said, interested in conversation, good times, with someone who's intelligent, thoughtful, and full of humor.
4: Yeah, that don't really go with yeah. life's a shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, full of humor, life's a shit sandwich. Good times. Thanks for the conversation. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, she cared about Mike, but he's just kind of making her as miserable as he was. Yeah. And she's just sick of fighting about money and, and plans and his job and her job. And, like, everything just seemed to be a point of contention. Mm-hmm. She said, quote, I cared about him, but I didn't want to live with him anymore. I wanted to be happy again. So in 2005, which was 17 years after their whirlwind Reno wedding, so she really stuck it out for yeah. a good long time. Yeah. But she finally kicked him out of the house that they shared in Portland. And he moved in with his father. However, she did not change the locks or the security code, which was 1210, their anniversary date. Mm.
5: And Michael was not ready to move on from Susan. Mm-mm. He asked her to sign papers promising to take him back if he went to counseling with her. But Susan refused and she said, quote, he was furious, but I felt more relaxed than I had been in years. She knew that she was happier without him, even though she was a little heartbroken by it. I mean, she'd been married to this guy for a long time. She fell in love with him.
4: I think it's clear that she was trying for a long time to stay with him. And then finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to be talking about shit sandwiches soon too. And I don't want that for myself.
5: And in July of 2006, she filed for a divorce. And he begged her to wait. He said, I need more time to get my head together. And then after a couple of weeks... She brought it up again, and he flew into this terrible rage. You know, she's just coming to him like, hey, uh, how's that work going? Are you getting your shit together like Mm -hmm. we talked about? Is anything going to happen here? And he lost his mind. She said, quote, Mike had never scared me until then.
6: Mm -hmm.
5: I told my friends, I don't think divorcing Mike is going to be easy. Ooh. Yeah.
4: That's no good. No,
5: no. And he demanded to keep all their money. He wanted to keep the house. Uh, he wanted to keep all their belongings.
4: C- come on, Mike. Which I, I mean, okay. all of everything. Yeah. No.
5: I mean, again, this was like you know you're the instigating factor of this mm-hmm. divorce. Your your behavior, your your shift in personality, and kind of like I've been supporting us financially for all this time, and all this stuff wouldn't be here. Right. Uh, so, so you want all? I don't my... think that's how it works. Yeah. yeah. Right. And she tried to keep things friendly, right? She wasn't trying to blow this up out of proportion. She was like, hey, look, uh, I don't think we're going to do it like that. And he just kept warning her. He said, quote, I can't take it anymore. And he also started withdrawing money from their joint accounts without her knowledge, Ooh. which is also known as
4: theft, Okay.
5: by the way. <laughs> Hello.
4: I know it's joint, but like. Come on, guys. Yeah. We all know there's a certain budget limit. Maybe you haven't talked about it with your loved one and what the exact number is. Right. But there's a number you reach where you go, you should have talked to me about uh-huh. this before you uh-huh. bought it. <laughs> Come on. So yeah, it's taking several contentious months to divorce Mike. I don't think she expected that. No. So on September 6th, 2006... Susan was coming home from a shift at the hospital and decided to treat herself to a dye job at the salon.
5: There you go, Susan.
4: Yeah, right. Yes, ma'am. Go get you some (laughs) (laughs) self-care. And she joked with the stylist that she was going through a difficult divorce and she wanted a new look to lift her spirits. And then she headed home. When she let herself in, she noticed there was a note left from Mike saying that he was going to the beach. And she had asked him to come and, like, check on the cats so it wasn't totally unexpected that okay. he had been in the house and whatever. Yeah,
5: I mean, it's like, she's like, I just asked you to feed the cats. I don't, I don't want your life story.
4: Right. I didn't need this information. And <laughs> it, it da- Play-by-play
5: like... daily routine.
4: Right. And I, cu- I couldn't find, like, an exact, like, you know, transcription of this note. But it sounded like it was a bit passive-aggressive. Right, like, right. you've been making me feel like shit, so I'm on oh, the beach geez. type of note. Right. So she's just like, okay, Mike, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever. And then, yeah, she's just seeing things look a little bit off And the curtains in her bedroom that she had opened that morning were drawn, so her room was really dark. And she's Mm. like, what's going on? She's like, maybe he walked around and did some stuff while he's here. Leave it to Mike. Okay, but that kind of pissed her off because she's like, it's not your house anymore. Right. You know, what are you doing? So she's like, let me go. She goes up to her room to open her curtains again.
5: And suddenly, a five foot nine inch bearded man came running out of the bedroom. He was wearing yellow gloves and carrying a claw hammer. He rushed her and smacked her across the head with the blunt side of the hammer, drawing blood. Oh,
4: how terrifying, by the way. Oh, God. To go home and just a stranger is in your house is so scary. Yeah,
5: whether he's got a hammer or not.
4: Okay, and then also the hammer, like what a choice of murder weapon, by the way.
5: But this guy had severely underestimated his opponent because Susan... Had been an emergency room nurse for 30 years. She'd had to disarm injured men, crack open chests to perform heart massages, given IV drips to patients thrashing around violently from drug withdrawal. She'd had to have been level headed and practical during all kinds of crazy crisis situations. Mm-hmm. And she and all the other nurses at the hospital had all been given regular self-defense training so they'd know how to slip out of headlocks.
6: Mm.
5: And Susan had always wondered, you know, is any of this training going to come in handy? (laughs) But now, it just might save her life. And we're going to tell you the play-by-play breakdown of this fight between Susan and her attacker right after this commercial break. (laughs)
3: wherever you're
7: listening.
5: And we're back. And the fight between Susan Kuhnhausen and her mysterious attacker has just gotten underway. And y'all, we are here to tell you this is a true play-by-play of this fight as Mm -hmm. it's happening. In one corner, we have Susan Kuhnhausen, 51 years old, 5'4", weighing in at over 200 pounds with two bad knees. In the other corner... We have our Mysterious, 190 pound killer, five foot nine, armed with a claw hammer, a near lethal dose of cocaine in his system, and a chillingly evil look in his eyes. Place your bets on this fight of a lifetime.
4: The killer rattled in with a glancing blow to Susan's temple, but she is game as a pebble jack. If you look at her eyes, you can see that she's thinking. She knows she outweighs him, and yes, she's using that to her advantage. She's rushed at him, hoping to push him over. Oh, he maintains his feet. But look how she's crowding him there to keep him from using the hammer again. Great technique.
5: Oh, incredible cross and jostle work there, Cassandra. And let's not forget that her father always used to tell her to use the claw side of a hammer if she ever was being attacked. And you can see that advice being put into play right now as she wrestles the hammer away and flips it around claw-side And there she goes one, two, three blows against the side of his head Blood is dripping out and dripping through his long gray hair, but he's not down yet He's pushing her against the walls of the
4: bedroom and what what is what is that he's saying? Yes, it sounds like uh, yes. He's saying only three words. Wow. You're strong. You got that (laughs) right mysterious killer
5: true He might be rethinking his whole idea at this point, but no! He's punched Susan in the face! Ah. She's on the ground! He's got the hammer! He's lifting it over his head for a fatal blow! Could this be the end of Susan?
4: No! Susan has clearly gotten a huge rush of adrenaline. She's pulled him down. She's using her teeth now, Jack. She has bitten her attacker on the leg. Uh-oh, he's biting back. He's got her arm like a dog with a bone, but she snaps back on his thigh. Oh, she's even bitten his crotch there. Ah. Bet he felt that one. Uh, and you can see that she's also trying to go through his pockets at the same time. Maybe looking for some ID to leave for the cops? Oh,
5: that's smart, Susan. Susan is determined to leave a mark on this guy. And she means to survive this encounter or at least make sure the police can trace her. That's right. Smart. You gotta admire that forethought. Oh, oh! Oh, she's got him! She's got him! She's managed to drag him down. She's got him in a chokehold! Oh, oh, she's got the upper hand now! Oh, you're
4: absolutely right! She's on top of him with her arm around his neck! She's asking him repeatedly who sent him. She knows this is no casual burglary, Jack. I bet she's wondering how this guy got in without breaking any windows or locks. I know I am.
5: Her killer's turning purple now, but he's not talking. These two fighters have gone head-to-head for 15 minutes straight, Cassandra. Mm. I just want to point out for the fans at home that that is the equivalent of five rounds of professional boxing or three rounds of head-to-head combat in the UFC. But the difference here is there are no rules, no rounds, no ref, and no one to save her from his murderous intentions.
4: Oh, man, I cannot believe she's holding her up. Oh, He is down, he is not moving. He's not moving. That's one, two, three. And Susan Cunhausen is victorious. Susan has saved herself. What a battle, Jack. This is one for the books.
5: Amazing. Amazing.
4: Incredible fight.
5: Yes. And again, that is what happened as we have it from Susan. That that is how that fight went down, Mm -hmm. Uh, including him. The only thing he ever said to her was, wow, you're strong. Yeah, he did
4: not (laughs) expect that shit.
5: (laughs) (laughs) You don't mess with an ER nurse. No, man. I'll tell you, our ER nurse friend has told us some... Harrowing no. stories of Seriously. the attacks she's endured.
4: She has also been punched in the face randomly yep. by somebody and stuff yep. like that. I'm like, I didn't know it was such a crazy job. I would have
5: had no idea.
4: No, I mean it it makes sense when you say it. That, yeah. Of course people going to the emergency room are kind of in extremis. Yeah. <laughs> they might do something crazy, but it just didn't occur to just, me. Just just
5: be aware that your your friends in healthcare are not just saving lives, but they're often defending their, their own, own life. <laughs> yeah. It uh, <laughs> got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world. And it is amazing. I'm amazed by it every yes. time I hear anything more.
4: Seriously. And th- I mean, and Susan, I mean, crushed this guy. <laughs> um, but there would be no heavyweight championship belt for Susan, as she deserves. <laughs> um, injured, blood running from the wounds on her head, a black eye beginning to form. Susan grabbed the hammer and ran to her neighbor Anne's apartment.
5: Smart, smart. Yeah. By the way, you don't leave the weapon on the ground with with the uh, killer you think is dead. dead. I've seen that movie. She's
4: exactly. You know. Susan's smart. Okay, <laughs> she's thinking cl- so clear headed too. Because then her you come back, thinking,
5: and you're like, oh, I killed him. He's he's right here in this room. You come in, <gasps> where is he? And
4: then right and from then behind the front door. Front, right and with the hammer. Bang. bang! So true. <laughs> so true. But now for Susan, like, I'm admiring her because she's really thinking kind of so clearly, like, oh, let me make sure to look for ID. Let oh me try to leave yeah. teeth marks on this guy yes. so that if he kills me, or re- really, when he kills me, she right. really thought that she was dying yeah. tonight. You know what I mean? Right. Um, she's like, when he kills me, they'll be able to see that I fought for my life uh-huh. and stuff like that. I'm just, like, impressed that she could even be thinking. I was trying to put myself in her shoes, and I'd be like, uh, I mean, I was just been flailing around wildly, like, right. never thinking anything like that. So anyway... Yeah, she she ran to her neighbor, Anne's apartment, who called the police. And, you know, of course, they were like, well, does Susan need an ambulance? And Anne's like, no, but maybe the other guy does, (laughs) which is awesome. Send a hearse. Send a hearse, yeah, for the (laughs) other guy. Um, And when authorities arrived, you know, they they were, it was pretty clear that this was self-defense. There was no question that Susan, you know, was some kind of attacker. Lured a guy in to (laughs) kill him in her bedroom. (laughs) They were like, this is a bloody mess. She is super beaten up and, of course, really shaken by this insane attack that she'd experienced. And her attacker was identified as a guy named Edward Dalton Haffey. He had a drug problem and a very long rap sheet. And so they just kind of figured, you know, you must have surprised him robbing your house. And he, you know, turned, he tried to kill you. But she was kind of like, "Mm, I'm not buying that because at no point had he asked her anything about money or valuables. Right. She had also, if she had surprised him in the act of robbing him, where's the stuff he was taking? Yeah. You know, he isn't like just hanging out in her bedroom. Anyway, so she was no. just like, no, I don't think so.
5: No, that seems weird. I mean, you know, if somebody's going to break into your house to steal shit, they're not trying to add murder to D- their yeah, list of crimes necessarily. No. Right. Yeah. And it, look, most, most, Robberies, you know, if you walk in and somebody's robbing your house, they're going to hide until they have an opportunity to leave. Leave. Most of the times you've had a robber in your house, you didn't even know about it.
4: How comforting.
5: (laughs) (laughs) There might be a robber in your house right now.
4: (laughs) Have you checked your bedroom today?
5: Just take a glance under the bed just to be sure. Um, (laughs) You're fine.
4: No No one's in your house. Doubtful that anyone's in your house.
5: So the next day, Susan's friend Helen came by to help her get some of her stuff out of her house. And Helen stumbled on a backpack that the attacker had left behind, and the cops, in all of their diligence, had totally <laughs> <I know>. missed. <laughs> um, and inside this backpack was a bottle of Hershey's syrup, and some diabetic medication, hmm. and a paste of made out to Haffy, and a daybook. Of course, they flipped open the daybook and they're like, let me find out everything I can here.
4: Right. Did he write down, going to rob some lady's house today? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: if she pops out, I'll kill her with this hammer. <laughs> but no, right there on Monday, September 4th, he had written, call Mike. And it had Susan's ex's new cell phone number.
4: Ooh. You know she saw that and was like, that son of a bitch. Uh-huh.
5: Also terrible assassin All right. who writes down in his day planner that he carries around with him call the guy who hired you to kill this lady <laughs> like come on
4: this guy sucked in many ways yes. as we'll find <laughs> but i think maybe if you want to hire an assassin just as just a pro tip from me not that i've ever hired one <laughs> but a pro tip that i'm learning from this story is maybe don't get a guy who is a super heavy cocaine user because right. <laughs> he might fuck up uh-huh And yeah, so it turns out Susan's divorce was even more contentious than she had thought.
5: Mm
4: -hmm. Mike was super pissed when Susan asked for an official divorce in July because he's already living at his father's house, but he can't stay there. So he's like, I got nowhere to go. He had just lost his job at the porn store. So he's like, I got no money. Now Susan wants a divorce, which meant he would lose his health benefits that he got through her job. So he was just kind of like, you know what? If Susan was dead, that would solve all my problems. I don't think so, Mike. I think you have a lot of problems (laughs) that cannot be solved by anything.
5: Yeah. And, you know, killing someone (laughs) often results in more More problems problems is what I've generally learned.
4: Uh Uh-huh. That's, you know, somebody has not been heavy into the historical facts (laughs) when they think that. (laughs) I mean,
5: it's not like nobody's ever gotten away with it. But uh, generally speaking, I would say this is a bad solution for your problems. I
4: agree. And yeah, he was kind of like, he knew he wouldn't get any life insurance money from like her dying. Because right. she had actually named her brother as her beneficiary. Wow. Um, which I think is kind of telling. Like, why not? Do you think she changed it like uh, after yeah, she decided to divorce Mike? Or do you think he was always her beneficiary? Mm,
5: I think maybe at least when things started to get bad. She was like. She was like I mean, when she's like dealing with this guy who's like he's so meticulous about her finances mm-hmm. and he doesn't make it any of herself and she's clearly like, he's not doing the work for her, so why should she leave him anything? Yeah. I, I My speculation station is that, uh, you know, she did it after she asked for a divorce, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I'd believe it if she did it sooner. Yeah. You know, just yeah. when things started to get bad.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, well, anyway, he knew that he wasn't going to get any any of that money, but... They had paid off their house, which was valued at $300,000. And that would go to Mike if she died. Mm. So, of course, he would either, A, have a house to live in, which right. he didn't want to stay at his dad's. Right. Or, B, he could sell the house and get three hundred grand. Right. Um, so that's pretty sweet. Um, but, of course, he didn't want any blame tied to him. Naturally, everybody looks at the husband first, right? Yeah. So he's like, I need to be smart about this. He needed a guy willing to do something crazy.
5: Ooh. And fortunately, he knew some, gr- some, some wild and crazy <laughs> guys. <laughs> One in particular was his friend Edward Dalton Haffey. Oh, you know Haffey. Mm-hmm. He's the craziest guy on the block. Oh, Edward. Haffey was also a Vietnam vet, and they had met through a veterans counseling group, which is great. You yeah. should be able to find friends who can relate to your experience.
4: Totally.
5: And Mike had even hired Haffey to clean the floors at the video store in 2004.
4: So, mm-hmm. you know,
5: it was helping him get They're some work. Friends, yeah, He knew Haffy was a good choice for this because Haffy grew up an avid tennis player in an upper middle class family, but now he was a heavy cocaine and crack user with this really long rap sheet going back twenty years. And in 1991, his worst crime was that he arranged to have his ex-girlfriend, Georgia Lee Dutton, brutally murdered.
6: Mm-hmm. Her body was
5: later found in a river. Now, this guy had pled guilty to conspiracy to commit aggravated murder in 1994, and he spent nine years in the Eastern Oregon Correctional Institution before he was released in 2003. And Mike was looking for a lowlife. He found one. Yeah. This guy, because it wasn't like, Oh, he's a crackhead. There's lots of crackheads There's lots of guys <laughs> Addicted to cocaine sure. uh, Who've got hard times And will, you know Are happy to sweep A floor for money mm-hmm. But this guy Had actually arranged Our murder before Yeah That's what made him A good choice Yeah,
4: he's like I know you're willing To do some Like extreme stuff Yeah And this is a very Extreme solution To my problems Right
5: So he offered Haffy $50,000 To kill Susan And make it look Like a burglary Gone wrong Ooh
4: yeah, so let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back with all the rest of the gory details.
0: <laughs> I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
7: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back to the show.
4: So on September 6th, the fateful day, you know, that Edward was hiding in the bedroom, Mike disabled the alarm at the house to leave Susan the note about going to the beach. Oh. And most likely, this is when he let Haffy into the house. Sure, sure. Then he drove to the coast. He used a credit card to check into a motel that afternoon. And then he drove back to Portland that night. Mm. So he's so clearly trying to leave a little paper trail about his ass being at the coast. Yeah. But I'm like, that's so weird to me that you would leave, check into an inn for an afternoon, Uh and then drive back. Why would you need to be in an inn for- I was
5: clearly taking an afternoon nap on the other side of the state, your honor.
4: (laughs) Me and a prostitute went in there for an hour. (laughs) Yeah. The day after the attack, he bought a Taurus 357 Magnum at a pawn shop. And then the next day, he left a suicide note at his father's place. It read, quote, all I ever wanted was to be loved, and every time I had it, I fucked it up. Ah, oh, damn. Which is so sad. I yeah. mean, this guy's mental state is really sad to right. me. Right, right. I wish he had really gotten some help before it, all this, or I guess more help, Yeah. You know? A yeah, willing, will, uh, more willing to be helped. I suppose.
5: Yeah, because th- there is a level of responsibility that goes with it too. Or mm-hmm. if you're, if you just flat out refuse to accept it yeah. or to keep looking, it's not easy. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it takes a while to find the right person, the right mm-hmm. treatment. It's, true. Um, it's, it's, it's not always just like, okay, I picked someone and I walked in, and in a couple of weeks I'll be all better. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes some work, but it is sad. I mean, there, people do unforgivable things, and you can still find. Uh, you know empathy for what they were going through that led to that. Yeah. Um. And this is definitely a situation like that. It's it, I. I definitely sympathize with the guy not being able to find a clear mental state. Yeah. Um. And also I do not forgive him for trying to have someone murdered. No. <laughs> so yeah. those, those you can, can both
4: do happen. both. Yeah. <laughs> um. So police put out a bulletin for Mike. Obviously, right. <laughs> they were like, we need to find this guy, and they tracked him down on September thirteenth. Outside of a medical center where Mike claimed to be checking himself in, he told officers, quote, I have nothing to live for anymore. Now, the question here is, do you have nothing to live for because the attack didn't work? Right. Because everyone knew at this point that she wasn't dead. So or did you think you were going to get caught or is it because you felt badly? Right. You know, I'm just wondering why he went through this whole almost a charade of committing suicide Um, Yeah, but we're having this mental break.
5: Right, right. Or possibly just, you know, that was all tied together. Like, I'm miserable. I'm going to end it all, and I'm going to take someone with me, kind of almost like, and on my way out, I'm going to cause some chaos. I don't know. I don't know.
4: Or he was like trying to be like, okay, I'll do all these things to make it look like I'm not in my right mind, and then I'll get off on an insanity plea or something, and then I won't go to jail. It's
6: possible, too. There's
4: a lot of reasons why he might have done this. Yeah. I don't know.
5: Whatever the reason, they put him on an involuntary psychiatric hold, and they started talking with him. Mm -hmm. He was a suspect, they told him. I mean, after all, someone with the code had disabled the security alarm. Someone had let Edward Haffy into Susan's house, plus Haffy had that incriminating note with Mike's phone number on it in right. his day planner. And they knew from employment records that Mike had hired him mm-hmm. for the for the job at the video store. So right. they've got all kinds of things connecting these two. But Mike kept his cool. He was like, yes, I know Haffy totally. But he said, quote, I didn't do it just because I know the guy doesn't mean I did anything, which is absolutely true. Right. Right. We're not trying to jump to any conclusions. That's why we have a judicial system, mm-hmm. flawed as it is, <laughs> uh, yeah. to try and uh, you know prove you're guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, uh-huh. as they say as with some folks.
4: <laughs> but unfortunately for Mike, Susan's story was all over the news. Oh. This was a big friggin' deal in this community because people... I mean, we're pretty inspired by this story. Yeah. They're, this is a brave woman who went home from her long-ass shift at the hospital and then fought for her life yeah. and won. Right. So it was just like, hell yes, Susan's amazing. Yeah. And so they just were praising her bravery. Well, and
5: look, she's like an every woman too, right? Right, yeah. Like, this is not Charlize Theron. Regular person. This is just a, an ER nurse yeah. uh, in her in her 50s. Right. Uh, she's overweight. Bad knees. Bad knees. <laughs> she's you and me, you know? She's like... If she can do it, I can, okay. anybody can. Yeah.
4: So That's yeah, exciting. Yeah. People are like, wow, this is amazing. Susan, Susan, Susan. So this story is a big deal. Yeah. it's all It's been on the news for several days at this point. And also, on top of that, Mike wasn't terribly good at this whole conspiracy to murder. <laughs> right. Let's see. He, ordered, you know, he hired a cocaine user who uh-huh. put his name clearly in his daybook. So <laughs> 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 you might already be thinking, hmm. There might be some trails left somewhere else. And yeah, several people had come forward with some pretty damning evidence after they saw in the news about this attack. They were like, oh, I know something about that. And oh, they yeah. started calling the cops right. with some tips. These are <laughs> these
5: are real tips that came into the police.
4: These are real. <laughs> hey y'all uh, officer, I, I saw the thing on TV about Happy. I knew that guy. I gave him a ride to the Applebee's where he was meeting that Kunhausen guy.
5: Oh, yeah? Hey, Haffy, say anything about him?
4: Yeah, he said the guy was gonna pay him 50 grand to kill his wife. Oh.
5: Hey, uh, I know that Happy guy. Yeah, I'm his drug <laughs> dealer, so you know this is a serious tip. Wow, a drug dealer? What's your name again? Yeah, that's not important. The thing is that, uh, you know, happy he told me about this Kuhnhausen guy.
4: Oh, yeah, what'd he say about him? He told me he was gonna pay him 50 grand to kill his wife. Oh! Hey, officer, I've got a tip about that Edward Happy guy. Um, I was actually his cellmate for a while. So, like, he wanted to let me in on a gig, and he said I could help him with, like, this insurance scam. So we went and met that Kuhnhausen guy together.
5: Oh yeah? What'd he say?
4: Yeah, he said he was gonna give Happy 50 grand to kill his wife.
5: Oh! (laughs) So, uh, I... So, hey, Mike! Uh, I just got off the phone with three of your buddies. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like you were planning to give half 50 grand to kill your wife.
4: <laughs> I mean, seriously, all these guys are the same thing? These
5: were all true. F- I mean, these aren't word for word, but no. all these, the, the drug dealer, uh-huh. the cellmate, they all called in <laughs> and they all said, and I, mean, I don't think any of them had New York accents because no. this is Portland. <laughs> Not but, really. You know, it's just easier to do characters like that. <laughs>
4: Must you get some Canadian accents together? That oh yeah, boy! Oh, hey, Ooh. I called in.
5: Hey, uh, th- hey there, <laughs> Happy. Uh, oh yeah, he's uh, he <laughs> hey, told guy. me he was gonna Kuhnhausen was gonna give him fifty fifty grand there to to kill his wife. <laughs> I was just down at the Tim Hortons there, and they told me uh, they I overheard him. He said, "I'll give you fifty grand to kill his wife," and then, and then he they hopped on the back of a moose, and they rode off. Sorry I didn't tell you sooner.
4: Wow, this is a great criminal un- criminal mastermind. <laughs> but it really does seem like, did you take out a billboard? Like, all these people know, know exactly everybody. how much you're spending. Terrible like, job. <laughs> they know everything about this.
5: I've never hired someone to kill anyone, and I don't plan to. I'd be very shocked if I ended up in that situation. <laughs> but I would at least know not to tell everyone and their brother that I was going to do it. Come
4: on, guys! <laughs> Also, what's funny about the cellmate calling in was that the cellmate had only been offered five grand to help oh. Kathy, and he probably was like, um, no, okay, <laughs> you don't tell me you're paying a guy 50 grand and then be like, but you can help for five. Yeah, like, no, no, come on, not. what is this, amateur hour? <laughs> I only work with professionals. <laughs>
5: So the cops told Mike about all these hot tips they'd received, plus the fact that his cell phone records showed numerous calls to and from mm-hmm. At Sorry, Mike, you burnt. Yeah. He was arrested. His bail was set at half a million dollars.
4: Smart, because he probably didn't know anybody with that much money to right. get him out. Um, so in court, Susan, of course, had to face Mike, right. her ex-husband, and she learned that Though he had told her he'd seen combat in Vietnam, his military records listed him as a switchboard operator. Oh. So he might have been lying to her from the get-go about yeah. some of his oh, come life on. experiences. Look,
5: that's a that's just as noble of a job to have yeah. to do in Vietnam. But why why, why are you going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, I saw combat.
4: Yeah, I was in the shit. I was really in the shit. Yeah, You were switchboard operating. I'm not saying that that's not a necessary job because it is, but right. just say that. I guess he thought it would make him seem like... Well,
5: exactly. It's just like make him seem tougher, something? cooler. Yeah.
4: Um, she, she found out at that point that he had been taking all this money out of her accounts, which explains how he had $50,000 to begin with. I did wonder. Oh, yeah, I was like, where yeah. did he even get any of this money from? And he must have just taken it out of their savings right. or something. She also learned that he had been planning this murder for months. Oh. You know, he had been... Surely they'd been talking throughout these months. Right. And he'd probably been saying some things to her like I really would rather be with you and you yeah, know maybe. what I mean? Maybe I'm I'm you know, a speculation station. <coughs> but you would definitely be replaying all these months in your oh, mind yeah. going, "Man, the whole time he was saying that to me, he was talking to this guy about when and where and how much yeah. and all this stuff to kill me."
5: And also telling everyone else in town know, about it. And apparently telling everyone else in town.
4: I guess I need to know more lowlifes. <laughs> this drug dealer might have warned me. And Susan told him in court, quote, if I ever believed that you deserved to be dead, I'd have at least had the guts to kill you myself. <laughs> Susan. That's, that's right, Susan. Susan. <laughs> Susan. <laughs> Susan was like, I would have hidden your bedroom, Mike, <laughs> you coward. <laughs> but... Mike's defense attorney insisted Mike was innocent. He said his defense was that Edward Haffey had just broken into the house of his own accord to steal drug money. There's no broken window. What drug money? Right. How would he have known that house right. particularly? Why pick that house over any of Anyway, sure, whatever you say. That did not work. <laughs> and in August 2007, Mike actually pled guilty to the charges and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Yeah. And he said in court Quote, I've hurt a lot of people, and I'm sorry. I feel like Susan probably was like, a lot of people. Who else got hurt? <laughs> right. I feel like two people got hurt, yeah. me and the guy I killed. <laughs> so who else are you talking yeah. about?
5: But I told all those people I was going to do this, and then <laughs> I didn't. Now they really disappointed
4: you know? <laughs> in me for not following through. But throughout his time in prison, Mike continued to claim that he had never done anything wrong. He said he only pled guilty to avoid a possibly longer sentence. And he told everyone he was the true victim here. Oh, sure. Yeah. Really some gymnastics. How are you the true victim?
5: (laughs) Somebody came at me with a blunt side of a claw hammer. Uh But you're the victim. But you're the one. Of course. Of course. Susan, meanwhile, she had to get her life back together. I mean, first of all she had killed a guy. This was not okay. She was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Her whole thing, she was dedicated to saving lives and then she had to strangle a man to his death. Oh, uh, e- even though she knew this was in self-defense, right? That that she'd done nothing wrong. She right. had to do this, mm-hmm. but it still messed with her head. That's not something you do easily.
4: Exactly. That's, this is something I think people really gloss over a lot yeah. in self-defense killing situations right. is that you still killed someone. Right. Like, even if you know... Like, it's like a battle or something. Uh-huh. Even if you know it's me or you, and I, I'm i choosing me, yeah. <laughs> um, you still killed someone. That's still a, a really horrible thing to live with yeah. in your brain.
5: Yeah. it's I, I think of movies sometimes when I'm watching about these situations, because you kind of met with one of two a lot of times in movies, where it, it's so easy to kill people. Yeah. They never think about it. It's just like bad guys, bang, bang, henchmen, yeah. dead, dead, dead. And then other movies sometimes the same movies <laughs> will have a character, maybe a bad character, you know, face to face with someone unable to pull the trigger. They just can't do it. Yeah. And sometimes in either one of those situations, I'm like, is it, would it really be that easy? Would it really be that hard? Right. Um, For this, for this bad person mm-hmm. um, to, you know, the kind of scenes I'm talking about. Sure. They play them all the time. Oh yeah. Um, But, uh, but I think, I think it leans towards the latter. I mean, I've, never had to kill someone
4: fortunately <laughs> no one has ever put a gun in
5: my hand and said yeah. kill that person and i will do everything in my power to avoid that situation for Thank my you. long life
4: i would like that very much <laughs> <laughs> if you did not ever kill anyone
5: but uh speculation station it's probably hard to kill someone i'm assuming
4: i i hope it is
5: <laughs> and something that stays with you for a for a long time mm-hmm. it's really hard to shake and people out there were calling her a hero for it, right? She's a public figure now, and everyone's cheering her on for mm-hmm. having killed someone, mm-hmm. and that is really tough too.
4: Yeah, I, I think that would be so hard to just hold in your head. Like, right. I'm I'm not a bad person, even though bad people kill people. But I didn't kill him. I didn't. I didn't want to kill him. Yeah. He brought me. He brought me a fight, right. and I happened to win. Right. Um. But still. And then all and then walking around, people being like, yeah, you fucking killed that guy. Like, that's it kind of reminds me of this guy I knew who came home from Afghanistan in right. like 2003 or something like that. Um, he'd been over there for a tour and had definitely shot his gun and killed some people. Mm-hmm. And we went to like this party with him and all his friends were just so happy for him. He killed some terrorists and he you know, they were all happy right. for him. And then, you know, we kind of managed to take him aside and said, like, really, how are you, though? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm really not OK. I yeah. mean, you know, you, that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Government sanctioned or not, it's right. an incredibly hard thing to do to take someone's life. Right. And then to know your whole rest of your life that that's true, right. that you have done that thing. Right. Um, and I think especially if you're religious and you're very worried about sure. your afterlife and your soul and all that kind of thing, like it must just be just something always on your brain, yeah, if if you have that kind of humanity in your soul, of right,
5: course <laughs> right. or or even in a situation like that, like taking religion out of it. But if you just mm-hmm. think about the empathetic side, if you're if you're relating, to that other person, and saying, "Well, they were a whole life. Yeah. You know, a person is not just the body, right? right? They are a thousand different connections to mm-hmm. other people and they experiences. And they're they're and... a collection of life memories and yeah. that that should have gone on, mm-hmm. right? And then stops. Yeah. And that's that's tough. That's really yeah. tough. And I I have a whole lot of empathy and sympathy and just uh, just it, it must be so." challenging for people who've had to do that in either yeah yeah, like you said the line of duty Mm -hmm. protecting someone else or defending themselves i I just can't imagine it'd
4: just be hard especially if you never expected to put yourself in any kind of situation where you would be i mean at least the army you might be i'm you know prepared for that there's some there's some training involved to prepare you for that situation her situation absolutely not you know she's never been expecting that I will say that Edward Hafey's family wrote to her and said, you know, we don't bear you any ill will. He oh, was wow. a bad guy. He chose bad. He made bad choices and you did what you had to do. You know, don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that was nice for her to hear from them. I think that probably helped a lot.
5: Yeah. While we're since we're talking about it, I just want to throw out. I have not read this yet, but our friend. Uh, Jared Alexander, who's an awesome writer and just a great person, uh, just put a book out called volunteers growing up in the forever war. And I, I've ordered it. I'm waiting Mm -hmm. for it to come in. Very excited to read it. I'm totally making the connection between our conversation now and what's in the book up. I don't know. I Mm -hmm. haven't read the book. I don't really know its details, but he has spoken on, you know, the, the, the service experience, uh, with a lot of empathy and, and, uh, insight mm-hmm. in the past and I'm very excited to read his book so
4: yeah uh, I can out. tell
5: you ahead of reading it that you should get it and read it too Yeah, he's he's awesome
4: we already know it's good yeah
5: <laughs> <laughs> so Susan is you know she's obviously she's having a hard time going through all this and her boss had told her at work that you know people just want to think that they could survive an attack like that yeah you know, like we mentioned earlier like she's the every woman in this situation yeah. people see this happen and they're like oh my god if you did it I could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm not so scared.
4: Yeah, totally. Or uh, yeah, like just see, you're a hero because I can see myself in you yeah. and I hope that I would be able to also win through something like that yeah, like sure. you're saying. But, of course, this is an incredibly traumatic experience. And, you know, we had talked, she was bubbly and fun-loving before and really outgoing and everything. But now she's kind of paranoid and scared, Mm -hmm. which, of course, you are. Somebody was hired to murder you. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) So in an interview, she said she felt like, quote, a broken plate glued back together
5: Susan's, Susan's so good with her Susan words, too. She could she have fought this guy off, you know, in a word battle. <laughs> yeah, I
4: know, right? She's like, <laughs> let's do a versus now. <laughs> you and me, Edward. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in restaurants, she sat where she could see the door. She circled the block if she thought a car was following mm. her. She switched driving routes a lot. She would always keep her car doors and windows locked. She told a story that one time she had her sunroof open and she was sitting at a stoplight and she noticed a man running toward her car. And she just immediately started having a a panic attack, you know, at her steering wheel, which is a terrifying place to have a panic attack. Oh, God, right? Uh, When she realized that he had run past her car to catch the bus. But it was just enough that she saw a guy running at her that, that you know, you can just see kind of her mental state at this point. yeah. She told one interviewer, quote, I'm doing a life sentence for picking a bad husband. Mm. Mm. A bad husband can be a life sentence, (laughs) though. Be careful, y'all, out there before you put that (laughs) ring on it. Or a bad wife. (laughs) Or a bad wife, very true. (laughs) Bad wife, miserable life. What is it, bad spouse, shitty house? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to gender neutralize this. <laughs> yeah, uh,
5: yeah. you know what? There's all kinds of problems you can have from picking a bad partner in life. It's so true. Um, but good partners are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem here that Susan's having is that someday Mike was gonna get out. Yeah. And as that day got closer and closer, she got more and more nervous. She bought a new house and she surrounded it with gravel so that she would hear anyone approach. See, Susan is a thinker. Thinker, yes. is smart. She's yeah. always thinking. And she bought herself a gun and she started practicing at the shooting range. And in 2008, she successfully sued Mike for a million dollars for her medical expenses and the lost wages she suffered, as well as emotional distress. She knew that he was never going to pay this off, right? There's no way Mike is going to make a million dollars in his whole life. In three lifetimes, Mike ain't going to earn that much money. But she at least could rest a little easier knowing that he would never have enough money to hire a hitman again.
4: Yeah. And that was mainly the reason she brought the case. Exactly. Even her lawyer was like, we're not even looking for money. We just want to make sure he does not have enough to pay anybody ever again enough money to mess with her.
5: But in 2014, she learned that Mike was actually going to get out of jail sooner than expected because he was sick with prostate cancer.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And now Susan was actually nervous because on one hand, maybe Mike was going to be too sick to plan another attack on her, right? Yeah. So it could be
4: He's like, said and I'm done, go nothing sit- to worry
5: about. Yeah, yeah I'm, the... I see my mortality. I'm going to go live out the rest of my days, you know, somewhere on the beach and not worry about I'm
4: it. not going to bother you.
5: But on the other hand, he also kind of had nothing to lose now. So that might make him more dangerous, too.
4: Yeah. She's like, you give him a life sentence, he knows it's not going to be very long. Right. So he might come at me anyway. Yeah. But only 92 days before his release, Michael Kunhausen died from his cancer in prison at 65 years old. So don't like to celebrate a death, but it's kind of a fortunate thing because it made Susan, of course... Now she's at ease. There's no one out there who wants her dead. Yeah. That she knows of. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, So she's able to breathe a little bit easier. Yeah. She retired from nursing in 2014 and she got deeply involved with victim advocacy work in her Portland community, which I wonder if, because kind of what her boss said to her, was like, you know, you're not a hero because you killed a guy. You're a hero because you survived and people want to feel like they could also survive. And I kind of wonder if that sparked in her, like, oh, I should be sharing this story with people yeah. so that they do know that, yeah, that that's a possibility, I guess. Yep. Um, she worked with several organizations and in 2017, she collaborated with her county's district attorney's office to launch a free website called Case Companion, which helps victims kind of understand the reporting process and all the steps of the justice system that they have to go through, oh, Wow, which is great yeah. because, of course, that's such a opaque kind of thing sometimes, you know, legally is very oh, hard yeah. to wade through, especially if you don't have a lawyer. Or exactly.
5: Something. Yeah.
6: So
4: it really a lays point. it out in layman's terms for anyone. And it also provides a lot of resources and guidance on handling trauma, which, you know, Susan, of course, would say "I, you must you probably are feeling like this right now. I yeah. that's how I felt. This yeah. is what I did, you know. And she told the Willamette Week that it's a comfort to her to teach others that, quote, if you can't run and you can't hide, you have to fight. You don't know that you won't survive.
5: It's so interesting.
4: So Susan Kunhausen, badass of the week. Yeah. Because she, I mean, killed a hitman.
5: <laughs>
6: yes. I mean, he
4: wasn't like a professional hitman, but she still killed a hitman.
5: <laughs> well, somebody came for her and uh-huh. she's, she turned the tables. And
4: she, yeah, she that's said, exciting. don't come for Susan.
5: That last quote, that's very similar. I feel like I've heard that with if uh, bear attacks or shark attacks or things like that. They're like, Untrue. you fight. Yeah. fight your ass off because mm-hmm. you might make it out, Yeah, you know?
4: Yeah, that's very true. You won't if you don't. It's Exactly. Um, but I like, too, that she was like, if you can't run yeah. and you can't hide, obviously the first two things you should do yeah. is not try to take on an armed attacker. Right, exactly. We're going to look for options here. Yeah. But if you don't have those options, you need to do uh-huh. everything you can to yeah. live through that encounter.
5: And just to clarify, if you see a bear or a shark... Don't engage okay. in a fight with it. Let Run them start or hide the fight. first. <laughs> oh wait, with bears it's uh let's see, if it's brown lay down, if it's black fight back.
4: That's right. If
5: it's white, good night.
4: Good night. Um,
5: <laughs> so you don't you don't if you see a polar bear, first just, of all, that polar bear is probably very hungry uh-huh. and it would be awful kind of you to so offer yourself up because give up
4: your body Polar bears, bears are having a hard
5: time right now and it's our fault. <laughs> Um, That's right. I'm not advocating that we all run into the North Pole to feed ourselves to <laughs> polar bears, but I'm saying if humanity's going to go out, that might not be the worst way we could go. Um, Just to, to <laughs> you know, to pay them back a little bit. Right. For everything we've taken.
4: But if it's a grizzly, do not try to fight it. It will beat you Don't up. Don't
5: take our advice as science here. This is just,
6: <laughs> just
4: right.
5: saying. uh, You know, go to the, I'm sure there's a... A website, a state website in Oregon or or Montana Colorado. or Colorado, somewhere. And in fact, there is. I know because we went out there. I looked at them all. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to, off the top of my head, give you advice on what to do in a bear <laughs> attack. A bear
4: attack. <laughs> I think it's true, though, with black bears that if you yell, I've heard they, black they bears, do yeah. kind of run off. You can yeah. see a lot of videos of people just being like, hey, hey bear, hey, bear, hey, bear, get hey, out, out of here, bear. <laughs> I love Those that. Those are one. great
5: videos. Yeah.
4: <laughs> hey, bear. And he's like, "Huh?" <laughs> All right. The I will. bear in the
5: in the we saw the black bear in the grocery store or in the yeah, in the gas, the station. gas station. He
4: <laughs> started eating Reese's cups. Cup. <laughs> I was like, "True. That's a good candy. That's uh. a smart bear."
5: But Susan, yeah, not a bear, but a Coke-fueled maniac mm-hmm. with a hammer. Um
4: which is the other thing is so crazy is that he had lit- li- literally had a near lethal dose of cocaine which I don't know if y'all know about crackhead strength. But it is a whole other level <laughs> of strength. So it's amazing that she was able to overpower him at any point.
5: Yeah, I mean, and you know what? This guy had. This guy was clearly in a bad way, mm-hmm. right? Between addiction problems and financial problems, and probably PTSD. He'd also been to Vietnam. That's true. Um, so, uh, and he had in the past arranged for someone to murder someone mm-hmm. but we don't know that he ever actually tried to do it himself before right so he's like well let me let me take my drug of choice here and get real fucking high on it before i go do this heinous act yeah um probably not expecting himself at any point to to lose i, I mean don't i think thought he had it was had like a lot of- if i don't do it right i might not kill her but i don't think it ever would have crossed his mind this might end up being my demise
4: I am not sure Edward Haffy thought he well, could die because yeah. like we're talking about a guy who is clearly had diabetes but he had a bottle of syrup Hershey's syrup <laughs> it, like that he was I guess sucking on sometimes uh,
5: yeah I don't know how that works
4: wild and then of course doing so many drugs
5: yeah
6: I just
4: am not sure that he had a grasp on his own mortality yeah. Um, yeah very well so I think you're right he was probably very surprised that she was able to he, he died surprised that's what I think <laughs> He was shocked when death came to him. Oh, <laughs> he wow. was like, what? Huh? For real? Didn't expect this. Well, I made it through so many things that should have killed me, but here I am but now. Not Susan. Not Susan. <laughs> she was the one. Yeah. But yeah, so hopefully take this story and go out and be the Susan Kunhausen of your dreams. Yes. And, you know, freaking turn the tables on anybody trying to mess with you and hey, put so- an end to your dreams or your life or whatever else is going on out there.
5: Self defense classes, not a bad idea. No. You know? I've not taken them myself since I was a child. But I've seen quite a few Marvel movies so I know how to fight. I you think know, I'm all
4: right. You just
5: hold up your hand like a stop like a stop motion. Yeah. Right? Like you hold out your hand like a mm-hmm. traffic guard and then you shoot a blast of hot white energy out of it.
4: Right. I think, I'm, I guess for me, I'm thinking of Black Widow because I don't have like an iron suit. Oh, yeah, But no, all that's I smarter. have to do is like grab him by the shoulders, yeah. right? And then swing my leg up around. Right. And just get him to the floor.
5: Well, then, yeah, Done. you just you flip yourself. And then I kill yourself. him with my thighs. Yeah.
4: Somehow, like Famke Jansen. <laughs> <In> Goldeneye. <laughs> just squeezes.
5: Oh, skull. what a way to go. <laughs> like, if I got to go out and it's Famke Jansen crushing my head with her thighs... I'm just saying, there's worse ways to die.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there are. Like with a claw hammer. Like with a claw hammer. My God. I guess he had to. You know what? He had to do a hammer because he was a felon. He couldn't like buy a gun or something. I guess maybe. I guess
5: it still seems like a weird choice.
4: It does. Like really, like he brutally wanted to beat her to death. Like that's in that is. Yeah, a knife at least. That could be quick. You could stab right. me in the right spot. And it would
5: maintain the burglary thing. Be True. like, oh, I grabbed a knife, or I even, I have a knife. I'm a bur- right. burglar. For sure. Which makes sense to me.
4: But a hammer?
5: A hammer seems strange.
4: Such a weird choice. Especially
5: like if it was his own hammer, mm-hmm. then that makes it seem more deliberate for me because I'd be like, why'd you bring a hammer to a burglary?
4: Mm-hmm.
5: If you brought a knife, I'd be like, yeah, you probably yeah. always have a knife on you. Yeah. But a hammer, I'm like, I feel like you wanted to hit someone with that hammer.
4: Right. I mean, I guess you could say I was just using it to break a window, but he didn't break he any didn't windows. Break it was, yeah. So that was the other thing. Come on, Edward, you gotta come. You're supposed to make it look like a burglary. was like, no, you I open came a window. I came to
5: rob the house. It was wide open. I had my hammer ready. I was gonna <laughs> smash a window. Didn't need to. Didn't need it.
4: I was like, sorry, trusty hammer. You're not needed today.
5: <laughs> uh oh, she's home. Back to
4: the tool belt with you. <laughs>
5: Wow. Well, exciting stuff.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, go out and be the badass that Susan wants you to be, Yeah. I guess. That's what I'm taking from this. I think
5: that's good. I think that's a good to channel lesson.
4: channel Susan the next yeah. time somebody tries to stop me. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Use that training.
4: That's right. So, yeah, tell us what you think of the Kunhausen story. Yeah,
5: we'd love to hear from you on this one. Absolutely. You can reach out to us at romance at iheartmedia.com.
4: Right, or on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at dynamite boom,
5: and I'm at oh great. It's Eli.
4: Or the show is at ridiculous romance.
5: We'd love to hear from you in any capacity, mm-hmm. and we will be back next week with another exciting episode.
4: Cannot wait. T- take care, everyone. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, ridiculous romance.
7: From BBC Radio Four.